Hello, I'm Maya Brown, and this is Stories from the Brink. This podcast is about giving voice to personal stories of overcoming challenges in life with grace and humor. Because stories bring us together, and together we all win. Today's episode is about a career and identity-related challenge that Arlene Gibbs, a successful decorator and writer, well-recognized for her fashion-forward point of view on style, faced early in her career. Born in New York City, Arlene earned her undergraduate degree from Syracuse University and currently lives in Rome, Italy. She worked for 15 years in Hollywood as a film executive producer and a screenwriter. Arlene created and authored the popular blog NYC Caribbean Ragazza. She wrote the novel The Rebirth of Mrs. Tracy Higgins and co-wrote the hit feature film Jumping the Broom. Arlene believes that every room of a home is meant to be lived in without sacrificing style for comfort. Her distinctive design sensibility is strongly influenced by her Caribbean upbringing, film background, life in Italy, and natural instinct for color, pattern, and form. Arlene is currently working on projects in Anguilla, British West Indies, Los Angeles, Rome, and Washington, D.C. Thank you for joining the conversation, Arlene. Thank you for having me, Maya. It's great to see you. It's great to see you. Great to hear you. So I remember distinctly the day that I met you. We were at some cafe in Los Angeles on Robertson. You had been in Hollywood for a while and I was just getting there. And I had started meeting people and I found it a very alienating experience. And then I met you and you were great. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You were like a real person. I was like, wow, this is so nice. And that's what I remember. I was like, wow, okay, there there are actual life forms here. This is good. You actually told me something. I don't know if it was that day or at another lunch, like... But I remember you saying to me what really struck me once, and I think this was after you made the move to working for Don Cheadle. You said to me, you know, there are a lot of weekends when I never talk to a living soul. I mean, I had, I have a lot of friends. Yeah. But I think it's something about that culture. I find that LA or Hollywood to me is like Mm -hmm. an exaggerate. And I say this because I, not, not because, but I feel more because I have distance. I haven't lived in America in over 12 years. To me, it's the exaggeration of the things that I personally didn't love about living in the States. Other people, it's fine with them. But I remember watching the movie Magnolia. And even though Mm -hmm. I wasn't really feeling, you know, Tom Terrific's big moment when he was crying at the the bed, the side of the bed, and frogs started falling from the sky. What I appreciated about that movie was it really captured the loneliness of LA. And there's Mm -hmm. something about LA, about that loneliness that I never felt in New York, even though New York is a lot, um, you know, people would think LA is more laid back and people are friendlier. I mean, on the surface, yes, of course they seem friendlier. New Yorkers seem more closed and harder to, to know. Mm-hmm. But I never, ever in New York felt alone. And even on weekends, if I wasn't meeting a friend for a coffee or we weren't going to a museum or we weren't doing something, I would see the, the you know, I had door, like I knew the doorman, I knew my neighbors. Right. Um, I would go to, you know, just walking to the gym or whatever. I bump into people that I know and they would be like, hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. 
in LA, you were in your car all the time. And sometimes I would just walk to Gelson's because I felt like just taking a walk and people would see me and be like, oh my God, is your car in the shop? If you walked, people thought something was wrong with you. Yeah, like what's, what's, is your car, what's, like, you need a lift? People are like, are you okay? Like, are you out of money? Like, why are you walking? I just don't want to like drive literally five blocks. I'm just going to walk. But or I, half a block. People used to look at me crazy when I would walk from North Hayworth to the chateau, which was literally half a block. Just so that people wouldn't feel uncomfortable about me walking, I would wind up paying 20 bucks to valet my car half a block from my house. Because if I didn't do that when we left, it would be like a big thing. That's LA to me. Okay, so you told me you told me about that experience. And I think that it really struck me because I had been experiencing that and I didn't understand why. No, because it doesn't make sense because you have friends, but. The thing that would happen a lot too is that you would make plans and then the day of you get these text messages, well, not text back then. Well, I mean, some, yeah, text. You would get like saying, oh, you know what? Um, can we re- always, can we reschedule? Can we reschedule? Because right. you know, I have too many scripts to read because of the weekend read. And yeah. I mean, my weekends basically were go to Equinox on Saturday morning, like at the crack of dawn. And then I like maybe would talk to somebody at the counter while drinking a smoothie. And then I'd go in my apartment and I would read scripts. Right. I would read scripts all weekend. I said, repeat Sunday to St. Maybe Sunday I would go to Runyon Canyon and hike with a friend. And of course they're in the business. So as we're hiking up the, the you know, the trail, we're talking shop and then we're bumping into like celebs. And like one time I remember I was behind Leo DiCaprio. I mean, it was just like, and that was considered normal. Like it was never, you never, you were never off. Like you were no. always on 24 seven. And I remember when I first moved to Hollywood, I read this book that was saying how, you know, you should never take a meeting, never take a phone call, never do that without having like an agenda. And I think this ties into, mm. and I'll say I'm Gen X. I think for younger people, I can't speak to younger people in Hollywood. It's maybe they're, they still do what we do, or they're like, they're, you know, their peers in other fields were like, F that. But that mm-hmm. whole grind mentality is, and hustle mentality is a joke because yeah. that's not really a good way to live when you have to every, it's very transactional. That's what I was looking yes. for. Yes, It's not based on real relationships. And I don't want to live that way. I no. think it's an unhealthy way to live. No, not for me. So, okay. So you knew this, right? But you had a great job. So then you say to yourself, okay, I got to make some changes, right? So when did, when did you decide you were going to get out? Very lucky in that I worked, unlike most of my peers at that time, I didn't hate my job. I really no. working with Don Cheadle. You had and a great job. Jay yeah. Or, and Jeff, I mean, it was a really great office. And also because, you know, Don and, and Kay and Lenore obviously set the tone. They're right. real people. Yeah. They're smart and they have a variety of interests. They have like strong sense of self. And they also have like, like, um, you know, families and they're grounded. They're grounded right. people. Like they're right. not nuts. But the thing is, even with that, I still, like I said, like when I was in the office, it was great. But then when I was home by myself, you know, like Don has a family, Kay has a family, Lenore has a family, Jeff had a significant other, you know, I didn't have any of that. And my family, you know, was on the East Coast and my parents, when they retired and moved back to the Caribbean, that was really, um, I don't know why, I, didn't, I was surprised that I f- had such strong feelings about it because I felt almost rootless, like, because yeah. I don't, I'm first generation American, so I don't have like 
grandparents and and uncles and 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 you know a family that goes back generations in the United States. And I just felt very rootless. And and being in LA, it's again, it's exaggerated. So I knew, so I had come to Italy, it was a fluke. Like I I I came here. I was not a you know an Italophile or anything like that. I just picked coming to Italy because I had already been to um, Paris, I had been to London, and I was taking Italian classes, you know, just for fun, because it had nothing to do with the industry. And I was going to come, and then I canceled my trip because um, the job I had uh, before I worked for Don, two weeks before Christmas, the company shut down, the production company. And it was terrible because none of us got severance pay and you know, within a six month period, like my life just went, you know, like I was I had a big birthday coming up. My parents left the country. My brother and his wife had a baby, which is great news. First grandchild. My sister, 10 years younger than me, got married. And at the wedding, my Aunt Carmen said, oh, you know, your mom and your mom said she was not going to move um, back to the Caribbean until all her children were married. I guess she gave up. I was like, thanks, Aunt Carmen. Wow, vote of confidence. Okay. And that's okay. I mean, not that I was like pressed about not being married, but I was just saying oh. everybody else had these wonderful life um, changing things and my mm-hmm. life changing things were not good. Like I didn't have right. a job. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a man. I didn't have children. I didn't own a home. I didn't have shit. That sounds like the brink to me. That was the moment. Yeah. And I was over 30 in a business where if you're like, you know, a woman over 30, it's kind of like, it's a wrap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so I, I said to my, um, my brother, I said, well, you know, I can't go on this trip now. And then like a week later, this FedEx comes and there's a check for a thousand dollars and a note from my brother saying, put this towards your trip. Cause my whole thing was like, I can't leave the country. I have to look for a job. I have money to travel. And I came to Rome and it really, it sounds so cliche and very eat, pray, love, but it really did change my life because I arrived here and it felt like home, which makes no sense as I'm not Italian. And when I got back to LA, all my friends were chuckling. Even the ones who, the ones have been to Italy kind of got it, but the other ones were like, yeah, no, it's just about what's not going on in your life at the moment. Oh my goodness. Iowa or South Dakota or whatever, and had the same like, eh. I said, no. no, no, that's not true. Mm-mm. And I kept coming back. So I would, I would, then I get the job with Don and I travel to Italy. Uh, this time I stay for two weeks. And, you know, there was another producer who was in town and we met up that first day. And she said, you know, I want to buy a house here. And I said, oh, I guess, you know, I want to, I will retire here. I'll move here when I'm older or something. And I was working on a movie in Toronto. The movie wrapped, we we're getting ready to go back to LA. And I was on the phone with my dad and he said, and I've told this story before, um, he just hear like the anxiety in my voice. And again, it wasn't about the job. Like I loved working at Crescendo Productions. Right. He said to me, I don't know why you're going back. I don't know why you don't move to Italy now. And I said, well, what would I do there? He said, well, I don't know. What are you doing in LA? He said, you're not living there. You're just existing. And it shocked me because if you know anything about, Caribbean culture, especially people from that generation. Yeah. Not a go follow your bliss kind of culture. It's not. It's more like my first child, you need to be a doctor, a lawyer. And so for him to say that to me was just shocking 
it yeah. really stopped me in my tracks. And I said, that has a point. And I, I went back to LA and I spoke to Kay, I had lunch with Kay and Lenore and they thought I was going to tell them that I was moving to another production company. And I said, no, I'm, I'm actually going to leave the country. <laughs> What was their reaction? They were very happy for me. Lenore said, was it? Yeah, Lenore said to me, and I forgot she had said this, when I got my French, because I've always had like French citizenship, but I just never got a French passport. Right. And I got it in LA. And I remember I came into the office and said, oh, I have my passport. And she said to me, when are you leaving the country? And that was like maybe two years before I did it or something. And I just, I was like, well, what are you talking about? I'm not leaving. <laughs> I wasn't shocked either, Arlene. You had that vibe that you were going to fly the coop. It was there. Really? Yes. Wow. I mean, and then I, you know, Stephanie Huey and uh, Pop, Poppy Hanks had a like Arrivederci party for oh. me. I think that's the first time that it felt real. Yeah. Um, and, and also it was very LA in that. Okay. So these are people that I have known, most of the people that were there, I've known the, since I got to LA or I've known them very early in my career. But I also remember there were some random people there that I did not know and they were networking and I was kind of annoyed because I was like, wait, hold up. This is my party. They crashed your party. To you like, don't even know me oh and God. you're running around trying to like talk to Don and talk to all these people and to network. Of course. That's so LA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I remember, and my, and my friend Akita was thought it was hysterical. She couldn't stop laughing because they were so blatant with it. You have this wonderful thing, Arlene, which is what you're thinking is visible on your face. So I'm pretty sure that you had quite an expression going. <laughs> Actually, that's a problem because one time I was at a party at, um, what's the place called Avalon? And the woman who helped put the list together, this sister, she came up to me and she's like, oh, I mean, I made sure that you would put something like you weren't on the list, but I made sure you would put on the list. And I was, Nikita was right next to me. And I just looked at her. And Seriously? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. The opposite of a poker face. What was that? Because yeah. I think my face was like, what? Like, yeah. why would you say that to somebody? Doesn't make any sense. Oh my god. Oh, I mean, anyway. true. Why would you say it? Because it's not like what am I supposed to do with that information? Be like, thank God, like I got in. This is what I love about you, Arlene, is that in a place where a lot of things that were going on didn't make sense all the time and everyone pretended like they did, you did not. So actually it was really fun to be around you because then something crazy would happen and I would look at you and you'd be like, oh yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> like, wow, I'm not the only one who thought that was completely ridiculous. But I do, but I'll be honest, but I got caught up. I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to say that I didn't get caught up in it too. Like I remember being very upset when I was working for this one production company and this, you know, I think it was Hollywood Reporter or whatever came out with like the like, black creative talent to oh no, oh, black, no. Uh, development execs to know or black VPs to know whatever. And I wasn't on the list. And I remember calling our agent like at CAA and being like, I don't understand this. Listen, da, 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 da. And he literally was like, why did he said, Arlene, it doesn't, it's not just do your job. Just keep doing your job. You're doing a great job. I said, but you don't understand. It's all about perception. And if I'm not, da, da, da. I mean, I look back and it, it, it's just, that's not normal. But you know, when in Rome, what but are you going to do that are on that list or not even in business anymore? Exactly. Like, That's the funny part is to yeah. look back and go, okay, like these people were like the ones to watch. Yeah. What are they? Where are they? 
some left the business and some are still strag, you know, trying yeah. to hold on. And that is actually worse. Like it's mm-hmm. better to go and do something else, but to Sleep. be in yeah. your forties or fifties trying to make it. Mm-mm. Bad look. Okay. So you had this moment with your dad and then what happened? Three months later, I, I quit my job and right. I moved to Rome. And the funny thing is it was literally three years to the month of my first trip. And wow. I forgot something before the conversation with my dad. I remember I had come to Italy. It was like in February. And my friend, Jean Piero, who's still a friend, he's one of the first people I met when I came here as a tourist. And we almost didn't meet because he's an actor and when person who set us up to meet. She's like, oh, my friend Stefano says you need to meet um, his friend, Jean Piero. He's an actor. And she put in quotes, work, you know, working. Um, so I know he's not, I guess, not flaky or something. Right. And I said, oh, I'm, 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 I'm traveling. That's the last thing I want. Yeah. From LA. I don't know what I mean. But she's like, no, but he's really, you know, Stefano said he's he's not, you know, he's he's a good person. Not like that. Yeah. And we met and we're still friends. But well, good. Um, I was... Uh, in Rome, it was February, and I remember we went to dinner, and then we went to a party, we went to dessert at a, some casting director's house, and then we went to an opening of this Enoteca, which I kept going um, once I moved here. And I, and he said something to me about moving here, and I said, well, you know, John Piero, being on vacation here and living here are very different things. I said, yeah. you know, yes, I have a wonderful time when I'm here, and I'm like, oh, you know, the beauty of it all, and just any other... And he said, yeah, Arlene, it's a Thursday night and everybody that you met tonight, they're, they're working like they, they work. I mean, they're, they like, because he was saying to me, I still have this thing of like, okay, like you can only have, not have fun, but like on the weekends is when you, for like two hours is maybe when you <laughs> can live your life and everything else is work, 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 work. And there's more balance here. And it's something that I really struggled with when I first moved here. I remember sending actually John Piero a text on a, this is after I, I moved here. I think it was on a, oh, I sent him a text saying, hey, you want to get together for an appetitivo on Friday? And he wrote back, why are you asking me now? It's only Tuesday. Or maybe it was Monday. He's like, why are you asking me now? It's only Monday. Because I was used to LA when you would schedule things three weeks out to, you know, two and a half weeks out. That was considered soon, you know? <laughs> And I said, well, because what ha-? I said, I'm asking now, because what if you have plans on Friday? I want to ask you before you have plans or something. I said, and he said, oh, he's no. like, no, because if I have plans on Friday, we'll just get together Saturday or whatever. Imagine that spontaneity. Wow. I just could not wrap my head around it. And now people will say, hey, I'm in your neighborhood. You want to meet for a co- Can you meet for a coffee? If you can, cool. great. If you yeah. can't, you don't. No, thank you. So great. Definitely. Um, like, you know, there is this stereotype, like Italians don't work hard or blah, 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 blah. And yeah, Rome oh, is they do. back yeah. than Milan. Yeah. But yeah, people do work hard, but they also make the time for their family and their friends. It's a, it's part of your life. Like what you do for a living is what you do. It's not who you are. And in America, ah. what we do for a living is who we are, which is why we go completely nuts and lose it when we lose our jobs because that's our identity it's like well what who am i what am i what you know if i can't like when you meet somebody in in la the first thing we say well what do you do and it's not what do you do because maya you might have an interest that i think is interesting or we have mutual friends in common it's like they're asking you so they can figure out where to place you here it's kind of first of all they're kind of rude to ask somebody what they do the first out your mouth 
Yeah. But when they, if they do ask you, it's more, it is really more curiosity, not, okay, do you make enough money for me to hang with you? Or are you going to be helpful to me in some way? Again, it's just really weird (laughs) because I'm so used to, you know, where I grew up, like, okay. Like I knew I met this guy, um, Francesca, who owned that Anateca and we had met and I'd known him for maybe what, two or three years. Right. And the actor um, who played Dr. Echo on Oz, he's a good friend of a friend of mine. He was in town for the Rome Film Festival. And she said, can you um, meet him for a He doesn't know anybody in Rome. Can you meet him? Right. And so we met and then we went to this place. And when we walked in, all these Italians lost their minds. We're like, oh my gosh, it's Dr. Echo from Lost. I'd never watched the show. So I knew him from being on the show Oz and, right. and other things. But that's so funny. But they were like, oh my gosh. So the next day he heard about it and he called me and he's like, Arlene, what, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Like, cause he was just like, what? That's so random that you were there with this guy. And so I'm screaming. And so he, like, he didn't know we, I been to dinner parties with this person. Well, because you were in Italy and you were starting to, were you starting to decorate? What were you doing? When did you make the transition into, into, into interior? I was still writing full time. Right. And actually, you know what? Things happen for a reason. You don't appreciate it at the time. Yes. Um, and actually, this is probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. So Jumping the Broom comes out and it does well. I mean, relative to cost, you know, it wasn't a big, yes. budget. It was like six million. It did great. It did, it did great. really well. Mm-hmm. But, and remember, this is pre-Black Panther, pre-Hidden Figures. Right. The movie comes out and my manager at the time was like, okay, we're going to try to get you an agent, da, 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 because we should bring agent onto the team because the movie's going to do well. And agents would say like, oh, I like her writing, but you know what? The studios don't make a lot of those movies, quotes. Um, Oh, she doesn't live here. Okay. Now I would think post pandemic, no one cares. Everybody's zooming everywhere. No, you know, everybody's all over. Um, But I, and I was like, why does it matter if I don't live in LA? I'll just, I'll come to LA for meetings. I said, there are writers who live in the UK who work in Hollywood. And the feedback I got was, well, they're British. Mm-hmm. We're not Italian. There is no reason for you to live in Italy. So to me, that's just not even a logical argument. So ridiculous. So, and then I tried to, I was working on something and we were trying to pitch and I just, I just got so disgusted. You know, the fact that yeah. people were kind of dismissive of the movie yep. because it was niche really bothered me. And the funny thing is that movie is still airing all the time. That's what was happening then. Yeah. Back in the day. There was a, a, a wonderful period right before I got there. And right. then it just, everything fell apart. They said because the DVD market felt collapsed. Right. And right. then now we're like, back, I guess things are better. But what annoys me is like, no, telling these stories, is, it's, not, it's not about a trend. No. It should be not a moment, it should be a movement. Like, I don't like this idea, like we're in now. Right. So, because we're going to be out again. <laughs> exactly. You see? Revolving door. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, the comments that were made post-Jumping a Broom, and at that point, I had been in the industry a, a while, and I think I just really had it. Like, I just, I was done. And even, you know, being there for the premiere, oh, everything with that project was a struggle. Like, the fact, like, Sony at one point was saying, oh, you know, we're not going to pay for her flight to come to the premiere and they're like yeah you have to she's in a writer's guild they're like yeah but she lives in italy they're like it doesn't matter where she lives if she lives on the movie you still have to pay for it 
So they're like, okay, guess. So you know what? Instead of flying first class, just fly pay for a coach ticket. So literally what? maybe two weeks out, I still didn't know if I was going. That's ridiculous. To, to your own movie. Yeah. And it's just because, you know, it's like, who cares about the writers? But it was just very, I don't think I really had the chance to enjoy or be happy that this that the movie or that the movie came out because it's just of all the drama surrounding it. And I said, that's it. It's I'm, I'm just done. And I'm going to go back to school for interior design because I had worked in, when I first got out of college, I was in the buying program, executive buying program at Bloomingdale's. So it's like full circle. And, uh, and I met with someone here who said, okay, you know what? Like, I, I think you should speak with an interior designer here because it's not like the States. Like they don't really, you know, architects do interiors here. And I don't yeah. think you're going to go to school for architecture. There are a million architects in Italy, which I didn't know until it was too late. But I I met with this interior designer here, a very prominent one. And she I thought it was going to be an information interview. And she actually ended up offering me an internship. And I was the oldest intern in the world. How cool is that? That's uh, great. Woman, um, Ilaria Miani. I learned a lot. And I had my first client before my internship was over. So people might think, oh, my gosh, everything went, worked out well. And it was great. You went from going to the premiere of your own movie to working as an unpaid intern? Yeah, when you put it that way, yes. I mean, it wasn't like right away. I mean, it was like, um... That's major. That's a major leap of like, how are you okay with that? It's funny, you know what, Maya? I really, I just, because I think about, I, I mean, I was just doing doing the work and, but there right. were times I do remember saying something of making a joke about like, oh, my former assistant something. And the architect, in-house architect, who was young and she was right. in the late twenties, she was like, "Wait, you, you had an assistant?" I said, "Yeah." And she's like, "Well, how old?" And then I made a pop cultural reference that she didn't really right. get because you also <laughs> look really young. So that's the other thing. She had no idea how old you were, right? <laughs> and I think it wasn't just because I'm American and she's Italian. I think it was just it was more of a generation thing. And she said, "Well, how old are you?" And when I told her, she was like, <gasps> "Lord, what? yeah, Lord." Yeah, couldn't believe it. She thought I was in my 30s. But no, it's funny you ask that question because I don't know. I didn't feel like I mean, I make jokes about being the oldest intern, but it didn't really bother me the way the age thing bothered me in L.A. Because first of all, in Italy, it's like an older country. So, you know, it's not as prized here as it is in the States. And because the field that I was entering a lot of the people who are the most successful, they're older because if you're 22 and you just graduated from RISD or Parsons and you're an interior designer, that doesn't mean so-and-so is going to hire you because you have a nice looking portfolio from your school. Like, no, you have to have experience and build clients and, and think, and that takes time. It just takes time. It's very different from Hollywood with the whole boy wonder is mostly boys, sometimes girl, but it's like boy wonder thing. Oh, this person just graduated from USC and they're short is phenomenal. And it was at Sunday. Right. They're only 23 years old. I'm like, or oh, they're only 20 years old. And they're just short. They're at NYU. Like it's a completely mm-hmm. different way of looking at the world and people here, you know, in interior design, you can work in your sixties and seventies if your clients will have you. Well, because your clients, who are your clients? Your clients are people who own beautiful properties. And those people, even if they're not older, they tend to be fairly sophisticated. They're looking for something different. And I think that's true for, you know, even look at Carl Lagerfeld for fashion. I mean, he right. was until he was 89. I mean, if you start to start slipping, yeah, then maybe you have to retire. Whereas in Hollywood, 
there are people who are just getting like to the height of their creative powers, like with, I would say with writers mm-hmm. and they're like forced out like this yeah. idea of like, they're okay. You're 45. Okay. That's it. You can't get in a writer's room. You know, it's really sad. I feel like we're missing out on some amazing stories and on some amazing talent in Hollywood because we are so focused on youth and I get it because younger people, I don't know, but I also think it's kind of strange because younger people are not going to the movies as much. Everything is on their phones. Now this whole thing with TikTok stars, like I feel uh, sorry for actors. Like why go to Juilliard? You should just go become famous on TikTok. <laughs> You're so funny. Okay. So, so you take this internship and the designer that you're working for is, let's be honest, one of the best known. There was a diplomat who, an American diplomat, mm-hmm. and I knew her and she had a, another decorator when she was, she was an ambassador. And when she had that position, um, her house was provided. So there was right. an Italian who kind of came with the house. When she moved into her own house because she got another position, um, which didn't come with a house. I mean, they right. paid for the house, but it wasn't furnished kind of thing. She wanted to know if I could help her because that the way that person worked, they're only used to really working with like ambassador residents and not so much private. And so she was my first client. And the thing is, once she left, because once Trump was elected, you know, all those positions changed. Right. All changed. Yeah. Right. Because that was what was great about that position. It wasn't just about her helping her with her house. It was also because she had so many events, she had to entertain all the time. I was also helping with like whenever she had events. So I would wow. go early and meet with the, you know, the head of protocol and meet with the florist and make oh, sure. Great. But once that went away, that was like the steady income was, was gone. And there was right. like a two or three year period where it was really tough because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of work here for interior designers because architects do interiors and there are mm. so many architects in Rome, so many architects in Italy, and there's not a lot of work, especially in Rome. Right. And so it was tough. I mean, there were moments, I'll be perfectly frank, there were moments where I literally didn't know how I was going to pay my rent. And I didn't tell my parents because I was embarrassed. And then my sister, <laughs> my sister totally, um, what's the word? I'm not narked me out. I forget what the word is, but she said something to my my parents, she said something like she was worried about me or something. And then my mom, I was talking to my mom and she said something, well, I just want to let you know, your father and I put some money, you know, transfer some money to your Italian account. And I just burst into tears. Like I was so stressed without realizing how stressed I was. But everyone needs support, you know? Yeah. And some, and I'm lucky because some people, they don't have that support, like their family, cannot or will not support them right. and for me i felt it was i was i think i was embarrassed and ashamed because i had made this big move i had walked away from you know a job that i loved to the unknown if you will and took this yeah. big risk and you know i'm at an age where it's like you know people my age own homes and like have big savings accounts and i didn't have any of that right but your parents didn't shame you they supported you well Yes. I mean, I think I was um, assuming they were like, what is wrong with their firstborn? Um, Because my brother and sister are very successful. And so I felt like I was like the loser in the family. 
And I realized I was putting that on myself. My parents didn't say that to me. They didn't feel that way about me. You know, my moms did say, look, you know, of course my dad, oh, my dad said, you know, you're ridiculous. You should not wait till the last minute where, you know, you should ask for help. There's nothing wrong with that. He said, if you were, and then my mom pipes in, she's like, yeah, if you were lazy, we wouldn't help you, but you're not lazy. (laughs) Exactly. Arlene, you are not lazy. No, but I need to, but I said one thing for sure, I need to figure out how to work smarter, not harder. And I feel like I finally figured it out. um, But no, so there were definitely some rough times, but I don't want people to think like, oh my gosh, it was just like, you waved a magic wand and poof, you became, yeah, there were moments like I was thinking, when am I like pre pandemic, I thought like, okay, what am I doing? And the thing that was really COVID is this year has been horrible. I've been lucky to not have lost anyone personally, but I had, you know, my sister-in-law, a very good friend of hers died of COVID. I have lots of friends in LA who've lost friends to COVID. It's horrible. So I don't want to, I just want to be clear that it's, it is a horrible thing. And and I wish we, it didn't happen. The thing that was weird about this stupid pandemic is when I was stuck out of the country, I was in the Caribbean, couldn't get back because all the, the airport was closed. All the flights were canceled for months. I was sitting there and I thought that this is interesting because everything that I feared happened, you know, I lost all my work, like within a two week period, all my jobs, decorating, writing, everything either was, they were canceled outright or postponed. Right. Um, A family member um, had a very serious illness, older family member had a serious illness. So the things I worry about, because I live so far away from my parents, like, oh, one of them is going to get sick or... I won't right. have to work. All these things happened and I'm still here. Like all my wow. work they happen. And then not only are you still here, things are actually going well now. But then some amazing stuff happened. Like well, what? Also, I mean, I have to say it's funny. Two years ago, was it two years or maybe three years ago? You know, Brian Sibarel. Yeah. Yeah. He was here uh, on um, vacation with his wife and we met up. And he was saying that, you know, I think you should keep writing. And I was, I never stopped writing. I just didn't show anything to anybody because, you know, I, I was so done with Hollywood. Shocking. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, no. And I said, no, Brian, you know, you have to pick a lane because people need to know, are you a writer? Or are you a decorator? And he said, no, that's ridiculous. Who cares? <laughs> All said, of the above. Yes. He said, a lot of creative people are multifaceted you could do both. He said, I yeah. don't think you have to choose. And I really think you should keep writing. And I said, well, Yay, I have been- Brian. <laughs> Yay. So I have been working on this thing with Malcolm Lee and I mean, we'll see. So slowly, but surely I kind of put my toe back in the water, mm. but my attitude is completely different now because yeah. I am working on projects in Hollywood, but they're projects that I, I love. I'm mm-hmm. doing people I really like. Yes. And it's easier to be creative when you are making this, making these creative decisions for the right reason. And I think in the past, I was so stressed about money. I was making creative decisions based on money. Yeah, you got to live. You got to live, right? And that's not a good place to be in. Like, that's Mm-mm. just not, no. So by having both things, and of course, at one point, both like, things are going really like popping off on, on the screenwriting side and popping off on the decorating side at literally at the same time. And I could not stop laughing because last year, 
you know, th there were months that nothing was happening because of COVID, everything has stopped. And I remember saying, sitting in my parents' garden saying, you know what, I need to appreciate this moment because, you know, a friend of mine said, you know what, you're going to wish that you had this time. Here you are. So what projects do you have going on right now? I know that you have this wonderful show that you've been doing. Okay. So we had, um, okay, so let's see, a year and a half, we were working on this pilot for HGTV called Reno Italiano, and it just aired, it aired in January, the same time that I was in the Caribbean trying to finish this very intense project. Um, right. And we don't know if it's going to be a series or not. So we'll okay. see. But it did very well. It's great. You were great. It was my first time on camera. I was so nervous. It was um, so great. I was really worried, but people are like, oh, no, you, 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 you seem like you've done it before. So that's a good. You're sign. a natural. Yeah. And the renovation turned out really well. That was not an easy project. Yeah. Wow. Tight budget, tight schedule. And the transformation was beautiful. This house had not been lived in for 60 years. Yeah. So that happened. And I said, at the same time, I was in Anguilla. I finally made it to the island because of COVID protocol. It was basically impossible to get there. I finally get there and I was in quarantine for two weeks. So after the quarantine ended, I was able to, you know, we were able to finish the house and that project, we've been working on it for a couple of years. It's done. And now I'm starting a new project in Anguilla. Uh, that project was literally on the beach. It's on Meads Bay. This project is on a property that's um, not on the beach. It's on a cliff. Ooh, and it's dramatic. very from the cottage. The cottage was like, it's called a cottage. So it's very, it's the, the design of it is cottagey. This house is going to be very modern. Yes. And the brief from the client is she doesn't want a lot of color. She wants neutrals. Beautiful. And that's easy. I mean, it seems easier. Like, oh, that's easy to do. Actually, it's one of the hardest palettes to pull off because mm. it could read very cold or flat because you don't have color. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. I'm up for the challenge. I'm a little nervous about it, but that's a good thing. When you're nervous, it means, you know. <laughs> you got this, Arlene. Come on. Come so on. I'm working on, um, I'm talking about my design stuff now. I'm working on a, a renovation project here in Rome. So that's interiors. I'm sure if I'm getting something. And then for screenwriting, I'm co-writing a movie for Hallmark that is right. set in the Caribbean. And it's in romance. <laughs> and um, I'm also working on a TV series idea that will be set in Milan. That's all I can say about it. We have um, just closed our deal with a, a certain studio. And now we're working on the pitch. And then we'll take it out and try to you know, sell it. Wait a minute. So now you're a design magnet, and you're about to also be a Hollywood mogul. Okay, you're hilarious. <laughs> People that were like trying to like talk you out of flying from Italy are going to feel kind of silly. Well, the thing is, a lot has, I will say, a lot has changed since that. Yes. Um, and especially post-pandemic when everybody is Zooming, like all my friends who are showrunners, their, their writer's rooms are all virtual. Can't go on set, yeah. No, mm -hmm. so... And I, like I said, at the moment, I was, oh, that was another thing with Brian. I realized with Brian that I still was carrying a lot of anger yeah. about, and resentment about Hollywood. And I, I let it go. I was Good. like, this is ridiculous. Why am I holding on to this? It's not serving me. 
I remember me, I finally sat down with like a business coach. I was like, look, I can't do life coach because I'm not like the whole kumbaya. If you start talking about manifesting, I'm out of here. <laughs> so it's like, don't worry about it. We can just talk about your business. We can do some spreadsheets, set some goals. Okay. The thing that makes me laugh, her name is Michelle Lee, is that halfway through this, she said, okay, today I want to talk to you about manifesting. <laughs> Did you leave? Did you walk out? It actually was very helpful. And one of the things I realized is that I was operating, and it's going to sound a little woo-woo, from a lot of fear. Everything was fear and scarcity as opposed to abundance. And I realized my negativity about La La Land was not serving me well. Like, why was I holding on to that? That was ridiculous. So you kind of took that with you. You took that that negativity with you. Yes. But I think it's not lost to me, Maya, that the minute I like let that go, that thing started to turn around. I love it. I love a happy ending. Yay. Yeah. So I'm just, I mean, I'm hoping, I mean, I know things ebb and flow and who knows what next year will bring. Right. And we're still in the middle of this COVID crazy. I mean, we're literally in lockdown right now in Rome. I know. I'm so sorry. But I, I'm very optimistic um, despite it all. I, even though there were some extremely difficult times the last um like couple of years. Right. I really don't regret. I never regret moving here. Even on my worst day in Italy, I never thought, oh, I should have stayed in LA. Well, that's success, right? No, and 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 like I said, I and were it not for the reaction to jump into broom, maybe I wouldn't have done that internship. And you would have missed out on your whole interior design moguldom. You're calling me a mogul. I'm like, you are. Businesses on different continents. I would say that qualifies you as a mogul, Arlene. Once I have like my collaboration with like a major brand, then we'll, we can revisit and discuss. Then I can send you an engraved card that says you're a mogul. (laughs) Is that a deal? I have no issue with being a mogul, like a la, you know, I or uh, Martha, um, you know, doing something creative, but quality of life is also really important. And I feel like they do have, they, they have fun. Well, it sounds like um, there's not going to be any reason for that with Arlene Gibbs decor blowing up and, you know, your other various projects. It sounds like you're on a, you're on a pretty good trajectory, my dear. We'll see what happens. I, when I was saying earlier about how when I first got here, I was unnerved by like, like, oh my gosh, you know, I was still trying to do things in a very like linear American way. And like, but why don't things happen the way that they do in the States? And now I'm kind of, I'm still a little bit, I'm not completely, I'm still a little bit of a control freak, which is not great. But I know like when I first moved here, because I was working in LA, like, so I worked all during the summer because we were getting yeah. ready to pitch, you know, you're pitching things and things like that. So the first summer that I had my business and I had said, okay, bye, peace out Hollywood. That summer was so bizarre because everything shuts down in August. Like right. company, everyone goes on vacation. You're like, what is this? The doorman here was always saying to what they call um, portiere was like, um, you know, you're the only one in the building. I make sure you don't just buzz random people in. I said, yeah, I know. But it's really something because when you hear about it, you think, okay, that's that can't be true. And then you're here. Totally true. Totally yeah. true. It's really yeah. like Europeans do not play. 
But it's really, the mentality is really crazy because it's like, okay, I'm going to work myself to death. And then when I retire at 65, I'm going to have a have fun. But first of all, there's no guarantee we're going to live to 65. That's not guaranteed. And also, no. no, like if you live to 75, what? So 10, you only had 10 years when you were enjoying your life. How are you going to enjoy your life if you never developed any interests except your work? during the part of your life when you're working because you didn't have any time. I know a friend of mine was an exec at um, Paramount years ago, like 14 years ago. And she said they had a, a meeting with the execs and they, you know, the president of production was said, said I think it was president of production was saying, okay, what are your hobbies? Like, what are your hobbies? Nobody had any hobbies because nobody no had hobbies. any time to have any hobbies. No. And to me, that's not normal. Also, that's not a good sign for a creative industry. Like, how can you, creative if you're not in the world how can what are you what are you drawing from what are you pulling from what are you being inspired by also people are afraid to take risks because everything is so expensive and it's become very corporate like all those movies like that came out in the 70s which like the golden era of american cinema was the 70s none of those movies would get made today nobody's gonna make the godfather with al pacino who was on stage he wasn't a big movie star right and spend that much money behind yeah no no they would not make that movie today well arlene thank you so much for taking the time i know that you have more projects going on than probably most human beings could imagine So finding an hour to chat is is no small thing. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me. And thank you for coming. I don't know. I really hope that people who are listening and maybe want to make a change in their life, like, okay, like not everybody can just pick, obviously pick up and leave the country, nor should they have to. There has to be a way to find more balance in your life because these companies don't care about us. Like they don't. Well, thank you, Maya, again, for inviting me. Thank you so much. Thank you all for joining the conversation today. Remember, stay present and share your story. Stories bring us together, and together we all win. Stories from the Brink is produced by Billy Robinson, hosted by me, Maya Brown, music by Octopus Kid. Octopus Kid.